0: Well, good evening. All right, um, I was just uh, thinking about that—that that word for um, that we use, you know, waiting on the Lord. You know, and you see that throughout Scripture. Um, may I ask you, what what that actually are you like waiting to see what happens next, or what does that word mean? Do you guys know what that word means in the Bible? It's it's an expression of faith, but it's something that is very important for us. And without it, um, things happen like um, like the suicides that have been taking place with high profile people in the last uh, couple weeks. It's a it's a desperation. It's a lack of hope. And uh, so, waiting on the Lord um, is is hoping in the Lord and uh so he never disappoints and although the world around us can disappoint us can let us down can take us down different uh different paths and and uh, really lead us in the wrong way uh many in, uh many of the times um the lord never will and uh he's faithful and the word tells us that he's he can't deny himself so he he that's one thing that he can't do he can't be faithless you know what he says is true and he'll bring it to fruition and, uh, and he says he'll never leave us he'll never forsake us. He loves us with an everlasting love and uh, and when we hope in him it's a certain hope so it's just just a thought that came to mind also um, you know thinking about um, as far as faith is concerned and uh, the very word of God in Romans chapter ten um, this is something that's very important for us to understand um how how is it that faith um, is So, and this is very important, verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. You know, so our faith increases as we as we uh, hear the Word of God, we, we learn the, the Word of God, we apply the Word of God, and we see it in action. And as we do that, our faith is built up. And so, this is important as we come together this evening and uh, continue our study through the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to be, uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles right now, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 18. We'll be covering that this chapter. I've been making every attempt at, at uh, trying to, uh, whenever possible, go over a couple chapters. Uh, I made that attempt and failed, so just to let you know, we're, we're going over Deuteronomy chapter 18, just one chapter this evening. Um, so it's just, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, uh, it's nourishment um, to the believer to come together and partake of the Lord's Word. And I do pray that um, He has His will in each and every one of us and that He would give us understanding according to His Word and according to His will. So as you're turning there, I'm going to pray for us in just that. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for this moment that You've given to us to come together and study Your Word. I pray, Father, that You would um, give us understanding of Your Word. And uh, Lord, as we learn about how it is that You were preparing the Israelites to enter into the Promised Land, we too today may learn and apply that which is before us, the truth, um, that you may be glorified and we, your people, would be blessed. And so, Father, thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, for your instruction, compassion, and your long-suffering, Lord. Uh, We are in desperate need of being corrected this evening and being directed. Father, thank you for your word. May it uh, be set in our hearts and may we be guided and directed by it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, just a few things that we're covering this evening. Uh, this, this evening we're covering how the Lord provided for the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, through his people, through the Israelites. Um, you know, we have come to study in the past and come to understand how it is that um, the uh, Levites had absolutely no inheritance whatsoever. There was no uh, land that was allotted to them and, and uh, the Lord was their uh, portion. And so, with that, he set, set it up to where the Levites would not just be left on their own, but um, they would be provided uh, for um, through the people. We, we're also going to going to see this evening these evil practices that are unbecoming of God's people. Um, he prohibited these things and, but but he laid them all out. He described them, he defined him, defined them, and they knew exactly what it was that was a part of the the uh, People's common practice, the Canaanites of the land um, of which they were going to be dispossessed of, um, and this was not to uh, to be participated uh, in by the Israelites. They, they weren't to take part in these practices, these worldly practices, uh, these rituals, and um, and these evil practices. Uh, they were um, things that just were, like I said, unbecoming of God's people. We're also going to take a look at the prophet that. Uh, was foretold of, uh, that was to be uh, like Moses and among the people, uh, which points to Jesus Christ. And also we're going to cover false prophets and um, and how to identify them. So those are the several things that we're going to cover. Um, So let's start out with the provision of the priesthood, beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 1. The Levitical priests... All the tribe of Levi shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's food offerings as their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance, as He promised them. And this shall be the priest's due from the people, from those offering a sacrifice, whether an ox or a sheep. They shall give the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks and the stomach, the first fruits of your grain, of your wine and of your oil, and the first fleece of your sheep you shall give him. For the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand and minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons for all time. So this is the provision that the Lord made for the Levitical priesthood. And I think it was very clear exactly what it was that the the people were to provide for them. Um, As we have previously covered, the Lord um, again gave no inheritance, uh, no assignment of land to the Levitical priesthood like he had to the other tribes of Israel because he was their portion and they were to be provided for by the people. As they were ordained and assigned to serve the Lord, being fully devoted only to the Lord's service. So that's what they were to be given to. So the Lord commanded that specific portion's of the people's offerings were to be given to the Levitical priesthood, specifically um, certain portions, certain parts of the um, sacrifices themselves. And with this, they would be taken care of. They would provide for uh, their meals in this manner. The priest's portion, as we see here, um, of the offering of an ox or a sheep would be the shoulder, two cheeks, and the stomach. Everything else, you know, what do we do with it? Well, we offer it. That's part of the offering, the sacrifice itself. Um, And there are other circumstances and other times when these offerings weren't completely consumed as burnt offerings, but they were returned to um, the worshiper so that they would enjoy this as a fellowship um, meal to be enjoyed with the Lord or unto before the Lord. And so we know that these portions were to be given to the Levitical priesthood. Some of some of them were burnt offerings, and others were returned to um, the worshippers so that they would enjoy a fellowship meal with the Lord. We also see here um, just the mention of basically the first fruits. First fruit fruits of grain, wine, oil, first fleece of your sheep, all of these things, just the key word here is first fruits. Um, God commanded that the first fruits, the top, the first, the best, be first given to the Levit- Levitical priesthood. And it's interesting because the first fruits were to be offered to the Lord, the best, right? So, in so doing, doing this very thing, it was an offering um, through their obedience to the Lord. We're actually worshiping and honoring and glorifying the Lord in obeying what the Lord was telling them to do and provided for those. Whom God had assigned to serve him in this manner. So it was pleasing unto the Lord. It reminded me of first Samuel chapter fifteen, verse twenty two, which says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. And so what this is saying is that the offerings, the burnt offerings, um, these, these sacrifices, they're wonderful because they're in uh, accordance to what the Word tells them, but bet, better than those offerings for the sake of their sins and, and, uh, and, and their transgressions, everything that they, they had to come and, um, and sacrifice for, better than all of that. What pleased the Lord more than anything is Obedience. So, the way we express our love to the Lord is by, as we know the Word of God, applying it to our lives and living it out to His glory, and it pleases Him. This is an expression of faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so our faith is put into action. It's, uh, you know, faith without legs, without action is, is dead. Uh, we can say we have faith, but if, if it's not backed up by our actions, then, then there's nothing to it. And um, so, that's what he prefers more than any kind of offering or sacrifice. So, in, in giving their first fruits, their, that portion to the Levitical priesthood, they were obeying the Lord and it just blessed him. Um, today, the Lord greatly delights in the person who obeys the voice of the Lord. And that is the Word of God as we go through it. And God points out here that if He has chosen them out of all the tribes to stand and minister in the name of the Lord, Him and His sons for all time, therefore, as God has commanded, provide for them the very best that you have, and in so doing, the people were blessing the Lord. And then the next portion, verses 6-8, through eight, um, speaks of not withholding um, the, their portion from from any priest, any priest from the outside as well, as we're going to read here. Verse 6 says, And if a Levite comes from any of your towns, out of all Israel where he lives, and he may come when he desires, to the place that the Lord will choose, and ministers in the name of the Lord his God, like all his fellow Levites, who stand to minister there before the Lord, then he may have equal portions to eat, besides what he receives from the sale of his patrimony. Um. Now, there, were, there was the, um, the central place of worship, but what we've read in the Old Testament is that there were also um, local shrines uh, that were set up. Now, in the time of Josiah, all of these local shrines were destroyed because there was one place where they were all to come. And so Josiah... Um, he had everything destroyed. He's, hey, listen, we're, we're not going to worship outside of the, the boundaries of which the Lord has already set. So all of those local shrines are to be destroyed. We are to come here to Jerusalem and worship the Lord in the designated place. Now, even with this, though, um, even though the, we know that the Levitical priesthood was to be assigned to serve the Lord... In the tabernacle and later on, as um, we've talked about in the temple. um, There was no compulsion for the priest to come. But it was upon his own personal desire that the Lord sought for him to come out. And when he did uh, have it in his heart to come and serve the Lord in his designated place, then he was to be given his portion. He was not to be denied. Um, There was to be no... Uh, well, you you were outside of of, of serving the Lord in in the central place of worship, and so therefore you get a smaller portion. No, no, no. Hey, listen, you're part of the Levitical priesthood, and the Lord was making it very clear. Hey, listen, give him his portion. This is beside his uh, patrimony, which was his inheritance. Um, This also can be um, uh, understood to be from that which he has sold of his goods to come, and be a part of serving the Lord in the central place of worship, Jerusalem specifically. um, That was was outside of that. So don't take his inheritance. He he doesn't need to provide it for for everyone or pull it into the treasury. Um, He is to be provided for, just as all the other priests are to be provided for. So that's what we have there in those verses. And then as we continue, verse 9 Uh, we talk about these evil practices. When you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God, for these nations which you are about to dispossess listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. God had initially reminded them. That they were going into this promised land. And he reminded them that it wasn't because they, they won favor in his eyes. It was because the Lord was providing this land for them. He had promised them this land. And he continues to give them instructions on exactly how to act when they arrive. When you go into this land, he's, he's giving these warnings. All of these people, this is what they practice. Don't learn these things. Don't participate in these things. Again, these are things that should not be a part of your lives. You should worship the Lord your God in Him alone. No other should be in that place. For that, in the day you do, you will be practicing idolatry. And so, God gives a, a clear instruction here. To learn to obey the commands of the Lord. Learn to do what pleases the Lord, but do not learn to do as the world does in the things that are considered detestable, contemptible, diabolical, offensive, and even damnable. The Lord was warning them that the following were considered by the Lord as wretched and accursed. Any questions there? Right? It's like these were the things. They're, they're detestable, they're abominable, they're evil. In so many ways. We're going to get to that as we continue to work through these. But I I want to basically line them up and cover them one by one. Number one. As it says here. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. Don't offer your children up to the Canaanite god, Melech. Melech. The worship of Melech. There was this a statue that was made out of metal with a bull's head, uh, outstretched arms, and with a hole oftentimes in the abdomen, under whose outstretched arms and all the way around the statue itself, there would be a fire that, was, that would be uh, really brought to uh, an extreme temperature. And the firstborn of, the, of, of a family of a couple would be brought and offered to Melech uh, upon the arms of Malek. And um, so it was, it was a sacrifice and, and the drums would be beating and would drown out basically the, the cries of this, this offering, this child that was offered. Now, the question is why? Why would they do such a thing? Well, they believed that if they sacrificed their firstborn, then Melech would ensure their financial prosperity, not only for their family, but also for future children that they may have that's that's amazing, right that the Lord would even have to tell them, do not practice such things don't don't put your children through the fire don't offer them to this Canaanite God Malek in fact, it's thought that it uh, this this practice may have originated with the Amorites so I was thinking about it because it's interesting you know it's like this is amazing that it, that the Lord again would even have to tell them not to do this. But it's interesting that today many of the decisions that are made to abort children are made in the name of financial inconvenience and personal inconvenience to ensure, quote unquote, ensure their personal financial prosperity. Uh, to make sure that it's not hindered in any way, including the birth and financial responsibility that comes with the child. You think it, it has nothing to do with health. Has nothing to do with the baby or the mother it has everything to do with this is not an opportune time to have a child, and therefore uh, many children are aborted for that reason, so you can say in a very real way, we are still our society or a culture is offering children up into the hands of Malek for the same reasons to make sure. That people have uh, maybe a more, well, a a better start, you could say, on life. Without the responsibility of a child. The time and finances that would have to be poured into that child. Well, maybe I can have a child later on. Maybe the Lord will bless me in that. But we know that, that abortion is what it is. Abortion... Is, is murder and we're doing it for the same reasons for the very same reasons many that choose abortion say they are thinking of their future it has nothing to do with health God doesn't make any provision for the taking of an innocent life it's not a, a personal right even of a mother to take the life of a child even in the womb secondly and the Lord said do not have any part with this don't you, this, is, this, is, this should be far from you. Don't practice these things. This, these are things of the world. They have nothing to do with me. Life is precious in his eyes. Secondly, divination. These are occultic practices. This includes anything that makes contact with the demonic world, the realm uh, of, of demons in any way, shape, or form. Witchcraft, white or black, I know that, uh, you know, they say, well, white witchcraft is, is good witchcraft. And it's like, no, there's no such thing as good witchcraft. White or black Wicca is included. There is part of witchcraft that emphasizes the worship of the mother goddess. Um, in other words, the earth. Um, it, this practice seeks uh, to save the earth because they believe that the divine life force, quote-unquote, is in everything. They are pantheists and are satanically energized. Um, there is no such thing, also as dabbling in the occult, and it being harmless. There's no such thing. The Lord is being very clear with His people. Don't come close to this. Don't practice this. Don't don't mess with it at all. It 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 has it should have nothing to do with my people. It's prohibited. Curiosity can be deadly, spiritually and literally, as deaths do take place within witchcraft. There are still sacrifices and offerings of not only animals, but we know that there are people who have been offered up as well. A personal preoccupation with the things of darkness is not something to take lightly. It is to be acknowledged and avoided, just as the Lord says... Repented of and abandoned altogether. It just isn't worth trying to play with it. At some point, it may not play with you. And so we need to be very careful with uh, the dark realm. Those things that we are very curious about. And, uh, and think that they're harmless. Uh, we, we can't do that. Because um, at some point, it may come back to to get you and it will preoccupy you. First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to de- devour. Number three, fortune tellers. That's what we have here. This is speaking of astrology, zodiac, horos- horoscopes, signs. I mean, um, if you look at newspapers, just about every newspaper has the horoscope signs. You know, uh, what's your sign? I'm just kidding. But this, these are fortune tellers. Astrology is unscientific. No matter what they tell you, it, it's, it's just, it's not science. It's unscientific. There's no truth in it. Nonetheless, over, well over 30, 40 million Americans believe in it, read it consistently, and even rely on it for daily living. Imagine that. You know, like, I, I need to read my horoscope today because I need to know what, what, what's going to happen, you know. What, what kind of personality do I have? Yeah, just look it up. Review it. Read it. That many people rely on that. And the question is, should this have any place in the Christian life? The answer is no. It should have no place in the Christian life. Trusting in astrology and the Word is completely anti-biblical. We are to trust in the Lord and only Him. Astrology, and this is why it's so wicked, because astrology basically is allowed to take the place of God, of simply trusting in Him, and that would be wicked. That that is demonic in nature. Uh, The devil wants to do everything in his power to distract you, to derail you, um, to uh, make you look in a different direction, and just, just not toward God. Yes, you're a child of God. That's fine. But don't be effective. Go look at other things and lead other people astray. That's fine. Say you believe in God, but practice these things. Well, astrology is idolatry and it's wicked. Number four, interpreter of omens. Who are these? These are card reader, readers, uh, tea leaf readers, palm readers. And by the way, Ouija board is not harmless. Um, it's all incru- included in this group. Again, this is not a game or something to be handled in any way, shape, or form. It's to be completely and utterly avoided. Completely. There is a satanic power that backs these practices. Again, for the purpose that I have already given. It, it takes you in a different direction uh, places your fear and trust in something and someone else. And, um, and, and if you've ever known what happens in, in these times, even the, the, the playing around with the Ouija board, there are some things that you know demonic forces are behind that. Um, Satan doesn't know the future. You know, as far as the, the perfect future, he knows his demise and it's coming. But he doesn't know the future. He doesn't know everything. He's not omniscient. But he does and his demons can reasonably predict the future based on their knowledge of people, the flesh, the world, and their use of these. They use all of these things and the lure of the fallen nature and desires of people. So you and I, oh, they know our fallen nature. They know exactly what would lead us into um, doing things that are completely opposed to God. And, and, are, and are sinful. It pleases the flesh, but only for a season, and then it becomes bitter, and you deal with the consequences. Number five, sorcerer. Um, these are people who use drugs and potions to cast spells, gain knowledge, and enter uh, have people enter into trances, altered states of consciousness. Um, this has a direct connection with drug abuse and the occult. Um, Drug abuse, drug addiction, it, it opens up a door to the occult, and that's very dangerous. I mean, you, you see some of these people who are on drugs, and you definitely know they are out of their mind. They're, they're somewhere else. They've opened themselves up to the demonic realm, and they can tell you with hallucinations and things that, that happen in their lives, the things that they do while under the influence is, is not um, holy and righteous, uh, it's demonic, because that's exactly what's empowering them. So again, this has a direct connection with drug abuse and the occult. This, by the way, is referenced uh, in Micah 5.12, um, and it deals with substances used superstitiously and seeking some type of mystical effect. And so um, we see it there. We also see the charmer. This is not Rico Suave, by the way. This is a a uh, a person who casts spells or charms, puts charm, uh, casts spells or or uh, puts charms. You could say on people with powers not from God. Um, even if wishing well, someone wishing you know wishing someone well, putting a charm on someone else, and and also casting spells. Uh, a, a charmer is basically a deceiver, and uh, is using. Um, not godly powers, not the Spirit of God, but another power and another Spirit um, to work these powers in the lives of other people. And so the Lord is telling His people do not practice these things, do not come close to them, stay away from these things. Number seven, a medium. This is a person who stands as an intermediary between the physical and and psychic world to serve as you could say a channel through which supposed knowledge is funneled through from the psychic to the physical world um, those who profess to be uh, to be able to make contact with those who are deceased and if you want to know anything about someone who has died and you want to ask them any questions whatsoever uh, these people say I can make contact with them um, I just have to ask you a few questions, have somewhat of a seance, and uh, we can conjure up um, this dead person, and, uh, and they'll be in our presence. And so, at best, they're trying to take your money. At worst, this is just demonic. Demonic uh, in, in every sense of, of the word. And so, again, the Lord says, have nothing to do with these people. Necromancer, psychics that claim special knowledge, like those that, uh, you know, you have the, if you stay up late at night, I don't know if any time now, perhaps, but you know the psychic hotlines, yeah, psychic hotlines, you know, if, if uh, you're having marital issues, relational issues, friend issues, you're having anything, you want to know your your future, you want to know something about um, you know what's coming up Just call the psychic hotline And we have all the answers for you Operators are standing by These are those people And so again It's the same thing The, the whole motive behind it um, their reason for doing this Has nothing to do with the Lord This, this is all the deception of the enemy And once you, you come to understand um, The strategies of Satan It's like a telegraph punch it's like, wow, that, that definitely not, is not of God. Uh, that's trying to take you away from God and pull you in a different direction. Um, and so you should have nothing to do with them. And then there's the inquiries of the dead. And you can basically look at mediums and necromancers for the answer to, the, to those. So the number of adults who claim to have been in contact with the dead actually continues to climb, unfortunately, in the United States. Uh, people still are curious and, and, and want to do this. You know, you can be at the boardwalk down at the beach, and you have these card readers, hand readers. I don't know. They read the wrinkles in your face, whatever it is. But, but then you get curious, and you're like, well, I, I want to I know. Curious minds want to know, right? And, and a lot of people are going to these card readers, these uh, people who tell you, you know, supposedly what your future holds, and uh, they're they're all deceivers, um, and they're all over the place. They're all over the place. Verse twelve says this: for, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And he's speaking of the Canaanites, those who right now are in the are in the land that God had promised to the Israelites. They're all an abomination. To the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. Because of these things. Because it is an abomination to the Lord. So he gives them the reason why they're being driven out. And then they're going to be given the land. In verse 13 is a call to holiness, to walking uprightly before the Lord. He says, You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. A call to holiness, obedience, living uprightly before the Lord with godly integrity, which is inclusive of the absence of these abominations. In other words, there is no place for this and the worship of God. You know, you can't do all the things that the Lord is telling you to do without also avoiding those things which He's telling you not to do. That's really important for us today to understand and live in our lives. You know, it's not that. These things that the Lord warns us of restricts us. In fact, it's, it's freeing when you know you're walking in spiritual, godly integrity according to the Word of God. You know, these are actually for our own good. It, it's not to restrict us and stifle us. And, and uh, man, the Christian life is so stuffy. No, it, it's, it's beyond that. It's dynamic. And we just so enjoy... This peace which surpasses all understanding as we do place our trust in the Lord. Not only do we follow His commandments as far as those blessings, walk in this way before me, but also avoid these other things. It's both. It's not either or, but it's it's all of the above. The nations that are about to be dispossessed of the land practiced these things. But God is telling the Israelites, this is not allowed for you. They practice these things, but they are not allowed for you. You are prohibited from taking part in in these things. They are to love the Lord their God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, and with all of their might. You can't do that if your heart is divided and doing all of these other things and then every once in a while giving yourself unto the Lord. Yet you're divided. You can't do this. That is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind if your devotion is divided. Now, with the increase in tolerance toward these practices in our culture, there is a decrease in tolerance toward biblical Christianity. Have you noticed that? I mean, every, everything's accepted, everything's acceptable. Do whatever it is that makes you happy, that, that you know, they'll say fulfills you. Um, do whatever it is that you need to do. So with the increase in tolerance toward these practices, the very ones that we've gone over, the world is like, yeah, go ahead and do it. To each their own, except for, because there is a, within our culture, within the world, there is a decrease in tolerance toward biblical Christianity. And I'm sure... As the world is given to all of these practices, there is a direct correlation. It, it, it's not by chance. It, it's, it's all by design. May the Lord examine our hearts and reveal anything that is alike in our own lives, that we may repent of and turn to Him wholly, to His glory and His worship alone. You know, that's the thing that we need to always ask for, is that the Lord would reveal... Anything that is, that is not of Him in our own lives. Something, anything, so, is, is, is anything standing in your place, in the place that you should have in my life? And if there is, Lord, reveal that to me and allow me to repent of that, to turn away from that and give you that place. These last few verses here, 15 through 22, speaks of, uh, the prophet among us, and then also um, a false prophet in how to deal with the false prophet. So, verse 15 it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Orb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, How may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, you need not be afraid of Him. Now, the first portion of what we just read, verses uh, 15 through 19, um, really, you know, off, off the top, it's speaking of Jesus. This, this is a prophetic word of, of Jesus Christ. Um, they were, as the Lord is saying here, they are to listen to Him. And yet we know that when He did come, they did not, right? Now, in John chapter 12, verses 47 through 49, says, If anyone hears My words and does not keep them, this is Jesus speaking, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects Me and does not receive My words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. So Jesus is is saying this. He's saying, the the words that I speak are not my own, but that which has been given to me, I speak. And he also, and I, I don't want us to miss this, but we are going to be held accountable for that which we've come to hear and know and come to understand. And so it's, our, it's, the very own, it's the very words that we have heard and come to know and not responded to that we are going to be held accountable for. What's awesome, though, is that the Lord says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. You are saved by grace through faith alone. In, in, in Jesus, right? By faith in Him. And so we understand that our hearts, if they're hardened toward the Lord, it's because of we love our own sin. It, it has nothing to do with Him withholding anything back from us except for forgiveness and salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So as we come to know that, we are ourselves going to be held accountable by the words that we have come to know personally. But Jesus was saying there, Hey, listen, I speak the words that have been given to me. That which has been given to me, I speak. And the words that have been given to me have been given to me by the Father, who sent me and has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. It's in Acts chapter 3, verse 22, that Peter quotes Moses from this chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15, 18, and 19. He covers those verses. And he very clearly points to Jesus as being the fulfillment of these verses. In Stephen's speech in Acts chapter 7, specifically verse 37, but I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. Read the whole Acts chapter 7. But in Acts chapter 7, verse 37, he quotes... Deuteron- Deuteronomy chapter eighteen, verse fifteen, of whom he referred to as having been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who had been rejected and had been crucified, and so much more. Again, I would encourage you read through Acts chapter seven, and you'll see how it is that Stephen references uh, pro- prophecy and the fulfillment of prophecy in Jesus Christ, and uh, in and he also quotes again Deuteronomy chapter eighteen, verse fifteen. And God was telling them then that it will be required of them to listen to Jesus Christ and that it will be required of them to obey his words. But again, we know that the Jews did not, not only did they not listen to his words fully, but they rejected him completely. And And I was thinking that that for us, I pray that we don't fall into the same disobedience and rejection of the Word of God as they did in any way, shape, or form. You know, like I said, it's not, it's not picking things here and there that we can believe and not believe, apply and not apply. It's the whole of Scripture. And as we come to understand Scripture, we apply it to our lives completely. And that's why sanctification is the work of a lifetime. It's like as we, sometimes you know we come across sections of Scripture and the Holy Spirit just deeply convicts. Doesn't He convict you? He convicts as we're going through Scripture and we come to understand, Oh Lord, You've been so patient with me. I've just come across something that I am guilty of. And at that point, we have a choice. Do we repent and ask for forgiveness? Or do we continue in our stubbornness and in our sin? And I pray that we would surrender to Him. And not fall into disobedience and a rejection of God's word. But we would simply surrender to his word. For in it we find life. And we find that it is an abundant life. In verses 20 through 22. The Lord gives warning to those who are false prophets. And so he also defines them. um, So that way they can be identified. And these are those who presumptuously... ...speak for God, but are actually not speaking for God. God has not given them a word. He's not put his word in their mouth. Um, Also those who speak for for any other God. Um, There is no other God besides the Lord God Almighty. And he tells them, hey listen, the way to identify a false prophet... ...is to see if what that prophet says comes to pass... If it does not come to pass, they are false, and they shouldn't be listened to. Reject them entirely. It's not trial and error. It's like, hey, you know what, I, I think I have a word from the Lord. In fact, I'm telling you, I have a word from the Lord. And so you, you hear them say it, it doesn't come to pass. Oh, well, kind of like, I've made a mistake then, but uh, but I'm kind of like getting my feet wet. Like, no, you're false. <laughs> you... First time you tried, you failed, you're not a prophet. The Lord has not given you words to speak. And so he told them very clearly, Hey, listen, if what they say does not come to pass, then they are false and shouldn't be listened to. And much less, they shouldn't be feared. And that false prophet is to be put to death. Not only not tolerated, but permanently silenced and not allowed to infect anyone else. This was important for the Israelites as they were going into the promised land. There, there was this, this leaven. Remember that leaven can infect the whole, the whole glob, right? The whole thing. A little leaven leavens a whole lump. And so this was very important for the Israelites not to have anything to do with any of these things that are abominable practices before the Lord and to not allow a false prophet to continue in their midst. And so this was their demise. This is where they would end up. Now, here was a question again, and, and I have these thoughts that go through my mind as I'm studying God's Word and I'm preparing for um, like times like this of teaching. Um, the thought is do we do this? Do we speak presumptuously in the name of the Lord? Think about it. The prophet says, the Lord said have you ever caught yourself saying the lord told me the lord told me boom 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 we need to be careful that we don't speak presumptuously both humility and caution many times what we ought to say is i believe i i believe i think this is what I ought to do. Because unless you're hearing an audible voice from, from and even then, you know, I kind of question, you know, are, are, you, are you sure you're hearing from the Lord, you know, in that, in that way? It's like, we ought not say, you know, uh, well, we will and we won't, for we don't know what tomorrow holds. In the same way, I think we find ourselves, and I hear it a lot, the Lord told me this. And really, the reason why many people say that is because you don't want to have that challenged. You want to stop all challenges to decisions we uh, want to have left untouched by everyone. Don't don't touch my decision. I don't want to hear any challenge. Uh, I don't want to hear any kind of input, any kind of opinion from you. Why? Because I can tell you that I have heard from the Lord, and He told me... Fill in the blank. Right? Well, how can you argue with that? I hope it comes to pass. And I hope that's exactly what the will of the Lord is. Really, I'm serious. The church needs to start speaking correctly. We need to say, I believe. I think. We'll test it out. I don't know. But this is what I want to do. And I've been praying about it. And I believe that the Lord is leading me in this direction. I sure, ho- sure do hope that it's the right thing. You know what I mean? It's like, there are certain things that are black and white, but, but there are other things that, hey, we have free choice. You exercise it, but if, if it's not the correct thing, then we deal with the consequences too. It wasn't the Lord's fault. It was our fault, Right? And we should assume all responsibility, and, and as He holds us accountable, and we deal with the consequences, then so be it. So, that's that was my thought in in doing this. Um, you know, in we could fall into the same trap and do the same thing. Why? Because we just we don't want to hear from anyone else. I'm certain this is it, and that's it. Period. With that, I want to tell you that I was deeply convicted. I I was thinking, how many times have I done this? You know, I feel strongly that the Lord told me this or that. It's like, oh, man. It's like, and this is what I'm telling you, that as you come across these verses, you know, and the the Lord gives you understanding, perhaps this may be exactly what you're doing. I'm like, oh, okay. (sighs) You know, Lord, help me. (laughs) Lord, help me. You know, let, me, let me take full responsibility for my own actions and the things that I say. And please also allow the Lord to humble us to where we are truly open to someone else. Giving us counsel in their opinion and their input as to the decisions that we are making in our lives. Because I tell you that there is safety, as the word says, in a, in a multitude of counselors. In those who are um, sound biblically and, and they're wise in, in in the scriptures, and they can offer to us so much and uh, and really benefit us. So let's let's do that more more than what we've done up to this point. So all right, so uh, that's it. But I want to close with this. Um, let's turn to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. So we have the Levitical priesthood um, that was assigned to, to be wholly devoted, assigned by the Lord, ordained by the Lord, and it was for the purpose of serving the Lord, um, serving the Lord, but also representing the Lord to the people. Um, today in the church. Um, We have the body that that all together, we we all come together and take part in the work of maturing the body in the Lord. And and I want to read these verses because this is the purpose of the body coming together and really doing what, what we've been called to do. So there are some gifts that have been given to the church, but then there's individual responsibility. Verse 11 is what I'm going to start reading in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood... To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And this is key right here. Verse 14. So that we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro. By the waves and carried about. By every wind of doctrine. By human cunning. By craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way. Into him who is the head. Into Christ. From whom the whole body. Joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. So, we are to come together, and as we we do grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, we grow in this maturity, we understand sound doctrine, we apply it, and, and we are our brother's keepers And we are continually building each other up, warning each other and teaching each other and encouraging each other. And in in doing that, we should be a solid church that is aware of the dangers, is discerning of those things that could creep in and those things from without. We identify, deal with them, and continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that's a church. That's the beauty of the church. We all have a hand in it. And I pray that we take our part and do our part. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for this time that you've given to us once more. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us. Allow your word to just really um, resonate in our hearts. Remind us, Father, of, of what we went over this evening. Lord, to not have part of any of these things that are an abomination to you. Um, Lord, you tell us in your word that these things uh, should not be a part of the lives of your people. Then, as they are not to be a part of your people today. Lord, it's for the, for the reason that these things pull us away. Not only from you, but they pull us into the dark realm. Into those things that are opposed to you. And so, Lord, I, I pray, Father, that you would um, protect us from those things. Lord, as we know the truth and Lord, in knowing the truth, Lord, we would, by our own choosing and will, choose to bless you and be obedient to you and walk away from those things that could not only pull us away, but really shackle us and bring us into bondage. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your wonderful mercy. And we thank you, Lord, that we can walk uprightly before you by the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us to abide in him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.